Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Who actually creates the rules? 
isn't she my child? Isn't it my job to advocate for her safety and say what is and what isn't going to be in her life? That started to spiral out of control, and I began attending the local protest at Cincinnati Children's, Christ Hospital, and joining the caravans. And not too long after that, I was approached by Jim Burns. Nobody was running in our current district, and I was asked if I would throw my hat in the ring and take a stand. So that's where we're at right now. Well, certainly uh, we need citizen candidates. I, you know, I believe that is what our nation uh, is founded upon, citizen candidates that, you know, come out of the, you know, just regular daily lives to spend time to serve uh we the people, not of course become a part of the political class, and yeah. you know have where because at this point it's feel more like you know, our politicians. It's more like we serve them instead of them serving us. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, you know. I just I never. I just never felt like I I fit into that realm of politics with the politicians. And I think a lot of people have that same feeling. That's why they hand it over. Oh, they know best. Uh, I would never fit into that group. But that's, I think that's been our demise. I think that's the problem. It's going to take more average Joes and people who want the best for our country, who understand the Constitution, and who will advocate for the people in your district to actually throw your hat in the ring, get involved, and we can change things and take it back to basics and make a difference. Yeah, Joe's and James, right, uh, Angela? <laughs> yeah. Regular Joe's and James, certainly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because we got you know, a lot of you know, female candidates. Actually, we're going to be uh, just got a, the agreement from the, the campaign for Carrie Lake. She's going to be coming on to the program, I believe, on uh, July 25th. So, you know, look forward to that. Right. So you kind of gave us a flavor of, of why you decided to run. Uh, can you elaborate, you know, more about that and how, I mean, I know Jim Burns, uh, who's another grassroots, uh, you know, organizer, you know, for the Republicans, yeah. uh, or supporting Republicans. Uh, so, I mean, so was the start, about in the or just? Well, I heard that he was looking for people to run, and I gave him a quick call. I asked him who was running in my district so that I could support their campaign, door knock, pass out literature, and nobody was running in my district. My previous district was 29 against Cindy Abrams, her and Bill Seitz both. I had an encounter with them at the town hall at Price Hill Chile, and we were discussing the rights for our kids to not have to be forced to be vaccinated, not have to be forced to wear a mask if they don't choose to do so, not actually having full days of school. And I did a little bit of research on my own before I went, and I was researching how other states and cities were handling this process. Come to find out there was a huge shift in parents stepping up in the last year or two. They were actually voting and gathering signatures to remove school board members that would not listen to the parents. And based on my research, I was given the ability to address both of the representatives. Cindy would have been my current rep at the time. And I, so I addressed Cindy. She did not know the answer to my question, tapped Bill's hand, he took over. Bill did not like my question. I didn't know why. I was very, <laughs> I was very polite to say the least. I was just stating facts that I had researched on the Internet and I presented them. And he wouldn't answer the question. So at that point I addressed him further. I said, I just want a simple yes or no. Can it be done this way? He got very upset. He stood up. He was yelling at me. He was boisterous. He almost lit his cigarette in the restaurant. And I don't know what I did wrong. So I asked him one more time. I said, sir, I'm just asking yes or no, can this be done this way? And he said, yes, yes, it can. And then he storms out of the restaurant. So me being who I am, I was raised by a Vietnam Marine, and so I wasn't scared of Bill Sight, so I followed him outside with a couple others, and I explained myself. I said, I'm not against you. I want to work with you. These are the problems we're having. We found solutions. We just need to be done, know if it can be done in this way. 
And when he was outside of the restaurant, it was like seeing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He was very nice. He wasn't upset. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't waving his arms around. And he explained that, yes, my research was accurate. It could be done that way. And just to stand across the street from the schools, as long as we're not on the school property getting the signatures, then it would have been legal. So I left the meeting pretty excited about all of that. But when I was changed in my district from 29 to 30, I still had that in the back of my head. Why was he so angry at the town hall about that question? But then when we were one-on-one, -on -one, why was he polite? What changed? And if you look at his campaign finances, he's heavily backed by the teachers' unions. So that answered my question as to why I struck enough a nerve of his for him to get so upset at me in public. But long story short, Jim Burns, I asked him who was running. He said nobody was running. He asked if I would run. I said, no, I don't fit into that group. He asked me why. <laughs> And every reason I had as to why I shouldn't run, he said, you need to think about that. All of the reasons you stated are the same representatives that you have currently. Are you happy with what they're doing? No. Well, obviously, you're very passionate about this, and you want to do something to change, right? Yes. Why don't you throw your hat in the ring? Would you do it? And I told him I would talk it over with my husband, I am very passionate about it. I believe I can make a difference. I follow the Lord. I have a good moral judgment, and I decided that if nobody else would take them on, so be it. Here I am. So tell us how uh, maybe it was serendipitous that it occurred that you are now running against uh, Bill Sykes. Tell us how that came about. When I originally took out my petition, I was living in District 29. I haven't moved. I live in Cleves. And a few weeks after turning in my signatures, I was notified by the Board of Elections that the redistricting had changed. There were new maps to check and see if my district had changed, and I had two options. I could either take 30 days to move into the new district or I could stay in my current district and run to represent the constituents within. So when I looked at the map, it, <laughs> it's pretty funny because I live in the bottom corner where there's a semicircle. And when you input my address into the map, it pops up with a red pen. That red pen is in the heart of the semicircle. So that semicircle literally goes right around my backyard. And so a semicircle around my backyard pushed me into District 30. But what's interesting is anyone who's seen the map, they all laugh and they say, what did you do to piss them off? <laughs> and I don't know what I've done. I can't say it was done intentionally. I wasn't in the room. I don't know why they would pick on me. However, everyone else has their own opinion without my voice leading it, and they seem to think that it's intentional. It was big enough for General Flynn to pay attention, and because of the redistricting, I was able to get a 20-minute phone call with him. I met him in person. He gave me a personal endorsement, and he signed off on it. You know, that's pretty cool. I see Kelly uh, in our panel here. Uh, he's actually in California. But uh, with the chime in, I, I definitely got, you know, more I'd like to hear from you. Uh, Angela, we'll go ahead and bring in Kelly as well. Uh, okay. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you? Good, good. Uh, happy Magna Carta Day. That happened on the 15th oh, yeah, of June. I remember years ago when you called me up and offered me that. And offered that. <laughs> yeah. The first time I've ever had someone do that. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> when the law was the king instead of the king being the law yeah. and since then over 100 nations fired their king and have adopted uh, a charter and a parliament so it's a big event in world history happy magna carta day angela thank you for running this is so awesome my my girlfriend and i went to an angry moms meeting if you will uh, here in california regarding uh the it was mask and or the shot mandates and talk about Angry moms, yeah. And so I am very happy, yeah, very happy you're um, 
stepping up to the plate, running for Congress. That's a tall order. Not yeah. Congress, um, state representative. <laughs> Not oh, yet, okay. anyways. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, I saw that on Roberts. Uh, so it's a state, uh, state house position. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Awesome. Um, Thank you. So Congress, maybe yeah, in a few I, years, we'll see. Yeah, well, it's the state Congress, though, right? House of Representatives is the state Congress. Yeah. Yeah, but when you refer to Congress, everybody's <laughs> mind goes in one direction. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, they need to say, 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 say. That's why I didn't put U.S. Congress, Congress, okay? Yeah. Not the U.S. But anyway, <laughs> there's, there's only, in the title here with, with, with by the promo, they only allow you a certain amount of characters. So. Yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> so, Robert knows I always ask the question. Of any candidate, it's a test on the Constitution. What is Article Nine and Article Ten of the Bill of Rights? So, Article Nine should be the right to vote for the right of the people to have to vote. Article Ten. I'm not a politician. I'm not going to lie to you if I don't know the answer. I don't. However, I do have multiple constitutional boot camps lined up in place that I am due to attend. I took a Constitution constitutional pretest. they told me where I stand, where I need to brush up, and they're training me as we go. So I will be fully good to go before the elections are here. Oh, good. That's good to hear. I, maybe I got uh, – I meant the federal constitution. Maybe you were discussing the state constitution, oh, which yeah. is excellent to know. Yeah. So yeah. the so, constitutional boot camps, they focus on the federal constitution, but it also narrows in on the state constitution as well. I understand that I am heavily outweighed in knowledge compared to my opponent. He's been doing this for years as he's also a lawyer. However, I think starting with a a good moral ethic and the willingness to learn this and to study it hard, I should be totally soaring by the time this is all over. I have three in place in the next month to attend. Oh, good. I am so impressed right there. Boom, you'd have my vote. (laughs) <laughs> because, you know, I, and this is a talking point for you, if I may. Um, so we're having July 4th coming up, right? Yeah. Um, here, here's the question. Okay, so we we declared independence. We could have fallen by the wayside like other nations that had revolts and uprisings and, and whatever changes of government. Okay, why can we trust the Constitution? So my answer on that is going to be that God was in the room when it was written, I'm not sure where you stand in your faith. However, I am a born-again Christian. From the beginning of this whole journey, I told everyone I would not do this unless I had the Lord's handprints on it. And the Lord's handprints have been all over my campaign. If I were to tell you, I could gladly tell you about it if you would like filler time. But to answer your question, our founding fathers, the Constitution was written with the Lord in the room. They had a heavy reliance on the Lord and on the Bible. It goes back to natural law. Everything was written around the Ten Commandments so that we could live as a free people. We were over here to practice free freedom of religion in the first place, and that's what it was fully based upon. So we well, can trust the Constitution because it relies on the Lord. Yes, they kept praying and kept praying, and, and uh, in the Declaration it has uh, – with a reliance upon the protection of divine providence, we mutually yeah. pledge to um, our, ourselves, um, our lives, our fortune, our sacred honor. So that is a part of it. Yeah, so we stop and pray, and yeah, I'm a Christian too. And uh, I'm so glad Christians are getting involved. Um, yeah. I think it's Hosea 6.6. 6. God says, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Okay, Amen. so do justly. Is meaning get involved in justice, stand up for the poor, the downtrodden, the widow, the orphan, etc. Yeah. Okay. So yes. So that's that's a partially good answer in the sense that the, the Lord is in the room. Yes, they prayed and prayed and prayed. Um, the other reason why we can trust the Constitution is it was born in a period of tyranny, and it was born out of suffering and pain. Yeah. And the founding generation did not want to go through the tyranny anymore. They did not want their posterity to suffer the tyranny that they suffered. So, yes, those two reasons. One was born out of prayer. Number two is it was born out of suffering in a time of tyranny. 
Yeah. And by the way, a little little bonus feature here. So it was a Magna Carta. It was a five-year civil war. It was a bloody civil war, and the Magna Carta was a, tre- a peace treaty, to which again, the law now was above the king. In Latin, it's called uh, lex rex, meaning lex is law, rex is king. Law is king. No longer was it rex lex, where rex is king, whatever law he says goes. So. A um, hundred years later, they had a parliament. Other nations adopted this di- idea of a charter and a parliament to throw to fire their king. So, again, we have two systems, the British, which has helped them last over 800 years, even more if you count the Norman Conquest of 1066. So both the Magna Carta, Great Britain, and America, their charters were born in a time of suffering. Yeah, and Lincoln, limited- the Archbishop... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who uh, obviously is Catholic, he penned the Magna Carta. He got excommunicated from the Catholic Church for a while, but he was standing up for the rights of the people and protecting the liberties of the people. So here we have God stepping through people's lives and helping build an incredible civilization then and on July 4th, and mm-hmm. the Constitution that came later. So this is... This is uh, a good reason to trust the Constitution, the two reasons. So I, yep. A plus to you on your answer. <laughs> well, my basic understanding was it was to protect the right of the people to govern themselves, to limit the power of the government. So the government's directive is to protect the people, but beyond that, it's the state's rights to govern themselves. So the Lord gave us divine knowledge we knew how to write it out through his divine intervention, and it's been thriving since. We've taken a back step on a few of those amendments, and people are pushing the boundaries. But I think with the uprising of Christians in politics as of recently, we're going to see a drastic change in going back to the basics, which will be so freeing to live in that time. Oh, absolutely. You know that Texas... One thing to want to bring up here... Um, is that one? I think this is a good segue into this. Uh, yeah, the next question. What you're saying? Because you're, you're talking about you know, the states and, and, and things of that nature. Is what you're saying is local action equals national impact. Uh, American by birth, patriot by uh, yeah. Sure. American by birth, patriot by birth. So explain more. You know, elaborate more on that. Uh, what you mean by that? By local action equals national impact, and then it's uh, American by birth, patriot by choice. So I, I'll start with the easiest one, American by birth, patriot by choice. I'm the daughter of a United States Marine. He was a Vietnam veteran. He passed away a little over three years ago. And the thing is, is that I am an American by birth. I am a patriot by choice. So I choose to support our founding fathers. I choose to support their statutes. I choose to support the Constitution. I'm beginning, I was taught about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights in school growing up. However, whatever you don't continue to engage in, you lose sight of those things. So now I'm divulging into that, taking classes, getting to know it so I can stand up and fight for it. Um, My father raised me very patriotic. I bleed red, white, and blue. Although I may not know the Constitution as well as others do right now, I'm engaging in that, but I'm very patriotic. I support our troops through and through. I signed up to join the Army, but on my pre-prep testing before we went to MEPS to swear in, that's where I found out that I was expecting my beautiful daughter. So the Lord had other plans for me. Um, I love our flag. I watched my father take the flag out every day, stand and salute, hang it, bring it back in, and raining weather, he protected the flag. And I was raised in that environment to love my country and to have a passion for the people in the country. So that's the answer to American by birth, patriot by choice. I don't want our country to change, and I just I see ugliness surrounding it. And I see influences from not other – how do I word this right? I see influences that don't belong in America, communism, socialism. They don't belong in America. They have no place here. And I don't want my America to be taken away. I'm already missing the America that I grew up in, a simpler time. And that's what I mean by that statement. Now, national impact – 
the local action will equal national impact when the people begin to get involved. I actually took that quote from General Flynn, which I told him in an email statement when I first reached out that I follow him very closely. He is one of my heroes in this movement that we have fighting for our country. And that stuck with me. That's part of the reason I began to get involved, because it is going to take local action. So when the people get involved at the state and city and neighborhood levels and they start gaining in coming together and agreeing on things and discussing things and going out and doing things actively together to make a difference and people start getting involved in politics, that's when we will have a national impact. The government is supposed to be limited. So far it still is. Uh, the government overreach that's going on right now is ridiculous. However, before that was going on, the people still understood we retain the power. So when we actually start acting on our rights and practicing our power, then we can make a difference at the top. The top doesn't make the, the decisions. The president isn't the end-all, be-all. Congress isn't the end-all, be-all. It is the job and the duty of the states to make that change nationally. Cool. I want to ask you go, some go ahead, Kelly, questions. All right. I'd like to ask you about your view on socialism. First, a little explanation. Socialists sell socialism based on compassion. We should really care about others. At the same time, government is force. George Washington wrote that government is force, like fire, a willful servant or a cruel master. Now, socialism through the government is really forced compassion. What's your thoughts on that? So that goes back to the job of the government itself. The job of the government is to protect the people, and anything that falls outside of that realm should be handed to the states. If you're talking about a local state government, that's an individual right for each state to make up their own minds. That's how we have different Second Amendment rights across the states. Uh, some constitutional carries can transfer to other states, but Ohio, before we had our constitutional carry, um, I mean our concealed carry, before we had the what they call the constitutional carry, our concealed carry only transferred to so many states across the country. So when it comes to forcing the government to do anything, the right of the government is to protect the people. I think they should step out of anything beyond that. It belongs to the states. So then you would uh, view uh, gay marriage and or um, pro-life abortion as a state's rights issue? Oh, absolutely. I am looking forward to Roe versus Wade being overturned and handed to the states. Not only will it immensely decrease the amount of abortions as a whole that are going on across our country, but it it shouldn't have left the states to begin with. It should have never became national. I don't, I don't support Roe versus Wade. I'm excited for it to be overturned, and I've prepared a statement for that. My opponent says he's pro-life. However, I guess he's against legislation for the personhood, and he's against, what was it, um, the right to act legislation. But the thing is, you're either pro-life or you're not. You can't hide behind legislations that surround it. You have to either protect the life or get out of the way. Okay. Wow. I like, I'm, I'm really liking your answers. I'm actually a libertarian. The California <laughs> Republican Party, yeah, the California Republican Party isn't uh, doing so hot. But uh, and and I had my mind walk. Wow, that's a bummer. But the libertarians have kind of washed my mind with freedom. So our Ohio Republican Party, what's interesting is when I was knocking doors to get my signatures for my initial um, petition that I pulled, I had to get Republican Party signatures. And it was interesting to see the influx of people that said they were so upset at the Republican Party after the 2020 election that to prove a point and send a message, they left. They went independent. And... The reason I'm running Republican, I, I don't necessarily agree and have the same viewpoint <clears throat> as the current party members do in our state 
that's not what I'm saying. I'm, so when I run as a Republican, I'm saying I have Republican values. I am a constitutional conservative Republican, but it doesn't mean that I necessarily agree with the party and how they've been behaving as of lately. So in so you would the whole, they're not favorable right now in Ohio either. So I like the order of your description. Sorry. No, real quick, Kel. I I wanted to bring up one thing while we're on that vein, and then you can come in with that. Is that, yeah, certainly tell us about what happened with the local Republican Party there uh, and what they did to set up for their, you know, their establishment candidates (laughs) to not not overtly show their support, but make it so that it's going to make things a lot uh, a lot better for the the establishment. You know, we would otherwise yeah so get this it's very interesting they had a meeting a few days ago and it was precinct executives and they it's not been a practice of theirs to endorse for a primary in the past so they had a meeting and they released information that they were planning on endorsing my opponent and kim georgeson's opponent and what was interesting is everybody freaked out. They said, you guys aren't allowed to endorse, but they tread a thin gray line. They're neither in the black nor the white. They said, in the rule book, it never stated that they cannot endorse during a primary. However, it is not the practice of the party to endorse during the primary. And the main goal of that whole endorsement, which, by the way, my opponent sits on that board, so he basically endorsed himself, and that's the only endorsement he's received so far. So... Kudos to him for endorsing himself. However, that endorsement <laughs> open, sorry, I, I'm not, I don't want to do any kind of smear campaign. That's not what I'm about. I'm not against anything. I'm for something. But he endorsed himself, and what does that say? So that whole endorsement, the entire agenda behind that wasn't to say, oh, we endorse this person. No, that endorsement opened a floodgate for money from the party to be spent on their campaign, on their campaigns. So I can guarantee you we're going to see a huge influx in his donations, and he's going to start running flyers, commercials, and printing stuff on his campaign now because he's been silent as until – the party and their endorsement of him, which was his own self-endorsement, but now he has money to battle me that isn't out of his own pocket. Surprise. Yeah. It was strategically planned because the party has never endorsed during a primary before, but there was an alternate agenda behind it. And recently Robert was running for a precinct executive as well, and the – I guess the Republican Party paid last minute to send out four flyers out against him and multiple other candidates that were grassroots candidates. So it completely crushed them right before the polls. And they're they're pretty strategic in their timing and their planning, but we're catching on to them. They split the primary, so I already get to take notes from the first round and prepare for the second round in August. Yeah, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know if it was, no, maybe you heard something I didn't because yeah, I didn't hear who it was. I didn't know if it was the party. I know it was dark money. That I know because they didn't say where the funds came from for those flyers that that, that you're speaking about. But yeah, and even uh, maybe was, it wasn't uh, the Republican Party. However, it you kind of connect the dots. I I, I, t- I retract that statement. It, oh, I think I do not it. know it was oh, them. I, oh, I, I'm pretty confident that uh, Alex. Uh, we have to feel we knew about it. I mean, I don't have any 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 you know evidence of that, but I would imagine just by conversations that I've heard uh, that uh, I, I think he was probably aware of it. Um, but it certainly was dark money because they didn't put who who did it, and then supposedly the candidate, because I had a brief conversation with her about it. Apparently, she didn't know anything about it. Well, according to her, she didn't know anything about it. But. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that going around, and that's not just subject to Ohio. So we all have a mind of our own, and we're we're kind of catching on to their tactics. So yeah, yeah and here's what it you, is. I, um, yeah, because here's uh, you know, just something from she mentioned uh, Jim Burns, and you know, and, and so my understanding, I'm not, I'm trying to get the quote on it, but you know, yeah. He also, who is, I guess he's the chair of the Hamlin County Republican Party, 
basically said something about both uh, you, Angela, and uh, Kim Georgeson. I, I, I want to get the exact quote because I mean because I don't know exactly what it says. It's just but the Jim put, you know, um, it says Governor Hamilton County Party Republican uh, Chairman Alex uh, Trittafila. No, young Republican candidates are being sought and are critical to the growth of the party. Humiliating Kim uh, Georgeson and Angela Heimer at the meeting could throw cold water on their aspirations and another newcomer. So I don't know exactly what he said, but it sounds so, like he made some disparaging well, his, comments. I'm, I'm trying I to haven't. I read. I read the email, but it basically he sums it up into a whole as saying that now they have waged war against conservative women running for office in the Republican Party and. I can't say that he's wrong in that sense because look at their actions. And in the same sense, my opponent, which is interesting, he's had a rocky history with women. He actually called a former former House representative the C-word publicly, and he was forced to apologize at the House to her. He yelled at me in public. He's yelled at other House members in hearings and he just he doesn't have a good uh he doesn't have a he's not good with women plain and simple put it that way but then he's running a bill with the democrats to support not single women but women in general to run for office where it would pay for their child care so that more women could get involved in politics and run for a position so i take that as he supports me running against him but then, on the other hand, he endorsed himself, and it's seeming like they're waging war against women running for office. So it's kind of a conundrum there for him. Well, it sounds like, you know, you know in public, so to speak, you know, he tries to make it look like he does, but perhaps, you know, within himself he does not. Now, speaking of your opponents, you know, you are going to be you know, running against them. How would you say that, you know, other than that, he's failed his constituents? He didn't respond to those messages, and on the other hand, he also voted for the tax increase for the gas, so <laughs> that's that's definitely a badge of honor to wear for him right now, I'd say, but um, he just, he... I've heard a lot of people are upset at him in the district, the people, because they don't feel like he treats them as an equal. They tell me their biggest complaint about him, besides the lack of defending them, is that when he speaks with them, it's self-centered, and he's focused on what he can do, and if he's uncomfortable, he won't go outside of his bubble, and they just feel like he doesn't consider them an equal. Yeah, certainly one of the things I wanted to point out is that P248, he really wasn't supporting that either, and he was kind of hiding behind, oh, well, Republicans aren't – give a little background uh, for, for folks, you know, who, who don't know what it is. I, I know I've talked about it previously on the show, is, you know, HB 248 basically was protecting people's rights to not get vaccinated and have to worry about either not being able to, get, you know, get a class, you know, get kicked out of college or, you know, get fired from their job, you know, things of that nature. Again, that's the very short version of it. That's basically what HB 248 was. And he tried to hide behind uh, all of the Republican stance that we don't, you know, try to tell businesses, you know, what to do and, and how to run their businesses. He, he, he tried, I had some emails, uh, actually, that I went back and forth with him. Uh, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, I was uh, cleaning out my emails, and I accidentally – uh, deleted them. So I, I, I mean, I have four email addresses and so many different things. And yeah. now, well, aside, emails, so delete, delete, delete. Oh, I deleted the wrong one. So. <laughs> aside from him refusing to support it and pointing out the negatives in the bill. So instead of doing a smear, what I'll do is I'll turn this around as I hope someone would for me if they don't agree. So and he, what he did is he pointed out all the negatives and as to why we couldn't do this. What he didn't do, which I believe he should have, it, it was such a priority for the people in the district, in his district specifically. There were so many people that advocated for 248. And instead of continuing to point out the flaws, he could have then in turn made suggestions. He's a lawyer. 
he he does that for a living. He could have added his advice, what we can do to make the bill be able to be pushed through. That way the people would have medical freedom. He didn't do that. He just offered why we couldn't do that. He put no energy into, okay, well, we could replace this and add this in. He, he just had no energy and no interest in the bill at all. Well, I think Yost, uh, A.G. Yost was the, same, was the same way. I don't know how many petitions they put in front of him that he just nicked. Yeah, instead of just ignoring it as a whole, why not try to come together and work to make it fixable to where they can say, okay, we can push this through. That way everybody gets what they want. They get the medical freedom, the businesses get the protection, but he just he had no effort in making the bill work. He just ignored it and pointed out all of the flaws. And that, if that's what he wanted to do, okay. However, you had so many people that were interested in 248 that still to this day advocate for 248, and he has still yet to lift a finger to help push it and try to edit it and get it polished enough to be able to be pushed through. Yeah, it makes you kind of wonder wow. why they don't, you know, they, they don't do that. We all know why, but... If you're giving him the ben- – I was giving him the benefit of the doubt in that aspect. And <laughs> just – if he doesn't want to support it, that's – you can't do anything about it except for vote someone else in. That's why Kim and myself tell people, if you like the way things were handled for the last two years, do not vote for us. If you want to see a change, if you want to see a difference, if you want your voice to be heard at the Capitol, if you want the people to have a place at, a ca- at the Capitol, vote for us. We're not going to have things going the same way they were the last two years. We're going to bring a huge difference to Ohio. Let me ask you a, a couple of questions. Uh, well, if I was a voter in your district, what are the bullet points that you would present to me on a variety of topics? So the basis of what I stand for is I am unapologetically pro-life. <laughs> I am pro-Second Amendment. I was raised by a Marine. I was raised around guns my whole life. And I support medical freedom and school choice. Those are the four things that I bullet point. But the basis of it is if it's constitutional, if it's ethical, and if it follows natural law, we should be able to meet in the middle somewhere. Nice. Do you have other endorsements like uh, NRA or... Okay, good. So I have the Bikers for Trump endorsement. I have General Flynn's endorsement. And Bikers for Trump are actually going to be coming up from Florida next month to host a fundraising event for me. I'm working on securing other endorsements. To be fully honest, I'm not targeting endorsements like other candidates are. I understand that endorsements are important, important. However, that's not the focus of my campaign. I knew from the very beginning that endorsements take a lot of time to do, and my focus needed to be on the people. So what I've been doing for my whole campaign is basically boots on the ground work. I've spoken at a handful of events, but I'm door knocking. I'm talking to people when I go to work. I'm talking to people at the grocery store. I'm meeting the people in the district. That's how I'm going to gain headway against my opponent. He's Goliath, I'm David. David wins every time, but I have to be a person of the people. That that has to be how I'm elected, and not just that's the way I'm going to get elected. I will remain that way. That's the only reason I'm running is to give the people their voice back. So instead of spending time focusing on all these great big endorsements, which are great gestures and they're grand, of course, that'd be great, but I, I need to focus my time here in my district. Well, that's a good idea. Um, there's a supervisor who ran a successful race. He did one little trick, and I don't know how well this will work for you, but he set up a table near the post office in his district, oh, a highly, okay. vi- highly visited post office, you know, Brandon Chris for supervisor. And, of course, people, you know, the post office is a good place because people, you know, it's high traffic or maybe a Walmart, whatever. But he picked the post office. He didn't have a Walmart where he was. And he just he'd talk with people. And and then word of mouth got him out, and he became a supervisor. And so that's yeah. one thing. I I would – and this is a unique thing. It's a tool that may help you. 
Now, I don't know what how many for, for a state house rep, how many people do you represent? Uh, 100,000, 200,000? <laughs> uh, I'm not the the question isn't actually funny, but I have nothing left to do but laugh at it anymore. Um because my map is not finalized. That's why I laugh. It's just it's a whole mess. And they've produced, I believe, three or four different maps, and they have yet to set the official map. So last minute, my boundaries could be drawn in or out. I am not sure. Okay, well, that's, that's fine. That's how the, crazy uh... it is in Ohio. We have a split primary. My primary is in August, and I still don't have a finalized map. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, yeah, yeah that's uh... – Republicans took over California back in 90, I want to say 96, but then the Dems did redistricting and, well, the rest is history, I guess. So that's a very <laughs> tricky trick. Um, but I want to toast that to you. You may have 100,000, 200,000. I don't know what your number is. But here is a, a tool. Um, because if, you, if let's say there's 100,000 people in your district, you divide that by the number of hours a day, and you, each person in the district might get, what, 30 seconds if they were to call you, actually, mm-hmm. assuming you had time. Okay, so um, here's a tool. I ask people to form committees. Yeah. If uh, you want to have uh, a committee of 100 people that are uh, pro-gun, pro-Second Amendment, then you would gladly talk to the leader, and people can go to that leader and, and come to you. Um, parental choice in schools, somebody form a committee, and you'll gladly talk to that leader. That way you can best represent. And you start picking topics, and if you have mm-hmm. committees, um, and it's all private volunteer, but at least you would be able to address the committee's concerns. I haven't yeah. seen any politician do this. How That's about a great committees idea. of the people – and actually, this is how we, we revolution came about. It was committees of correspondence, committees of safety, and not one of the delegates to the Continental Convention for the Declaration, not one was appointed by the state led the colonial legislature. Why? Because the, the King George suspended the legislature, so it was a grassroots from the people that was appointing. You know, I mentioned John Adams, Samuel Adams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Sherman, et cetera, they're the ones who, who, through committees, brought forth Philadelphia and the Declaration of Independence. So when people are like, oh, I can form a committee, I'd like this topic discussed, or I'd like to, you're the head, form a Facebook group, a website, whatever, and that type of promise to the committee leader means people are going to be heard more. Otherwise, if you take the math, and the number of constituents, and even if it's only 10% call in, we're talking only a few minutes because people are competing for your time. Yeah, I like that idea. So I will be having monthly town halls, that's for sure, but that's actually a very good idea. I like that. So thank you for mentioning that. I'm taking notes. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think. What things would I do if I were running? Of course, I wrote a book on the grand jury. Grand jury produces enormous amount of accountability um, as far as the state level and county level. Uh, something that I, I don't have time on the show right now because this is about you and your campaign. Um, but that is a good mechanism of accountability is the grand jury. Yeah. And the right of citizens to petition the grand jury. That would be legislation that would bring accountability. There's a whole bunch of politicians that say, I'm going to clean up Washington, or I'm going to clean up the state legislation. What's your plan? Well, yeah. uh, duh, duh, duh. No. So grand jury is a good approach. Another approach is, is if you realize your second most important duty as an elected uh, official in the state, your first obligation, obviously, is to protect and defend the constitution of the state and the federal government against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Number two is oversight. 
on the operations of the state. A lot of state legislators don't know that that is their second most important duty is oversight on the executive branch to hold government accountable so they don't infringe upon the liberties of the people. There's another tool for you. Great. And you should have have investigative powers. You'd have to look in your, your government code and other things how that works or if you have to have an appointment by the legislature, but you would have enormous power to investigate state agencies. That's interesting because our uh, state central committee is a huge topic in Ohio right now. They had a, they had I can't remember the dollar amount, but a large sum of money just went missing. They said so. And they don't have to, isn't State Central Committee the only one that does not have to provide a finance report? Robert, is that correct? Are you talking about what, when they're running? Or are you talking about when they're running for, for office? Because I know people who ran for State the, Central Committee, the just in general. I don't, know about the, I don't know about the state, but for the, the, the County Central Committee, the candidates didn't have to report any type of uh, campaign financing or anything. I'm not sure about the state. Yeah, the state central committee, that's a whole other ordeal. Um, One of my very good friends and my manager actually was running for a state central committee seat, and she's explained part of what's going on. I also, at the Patriot Awards, was able to get a brief demonstration on what's gone missing there, and how they failed to actually investigate and hold an audit. They, I believe it was they said they weren't able to. I'm not sure, but there was no audit done, and there's still millions of dollars missing. So Ohio, actually, when, my, when I got the fire to start getting involved in Ohio and stop focusing on a national level because I can follow national politics easier than I can state, but when I started paying attention to state, I, my mind was blown at how much corruption was hidden in Ohio that I had no idea about. So thank you for those uh, bits of information because I took notes on that. And if that's the right of legislation to do, then we can actually do do something possibly about what's going on in the state central committee from the state representative seat. Oh yeah, I mean any tool, any tool I can give a patriot, and uh, you know I learn a lot too from these calls. I'm hearing passion, a groundswell of Americans stepping up to the plate, and how can everyday people have a victory? That's the biggest yeah. question. What kind of tools can I give? Um, I've, I've been an activist for over thirty. Yeah, I've been an activist for over 30 years, and my first campaign I was at, we, we won on campus. This is way back when I was at Iowa State. And so, you know, there's everyday people, if they understand the ropes of the ship better, they're better equipped to put up the sails. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I hope you have a political consultant of some type. I do. I definitely have a great team put together, and... When I started the journey, I explained to them I'm not a politician. I know nothing about what's going on at a local level. I can follow national. I can keep up, but everything's different here. I don't think that I'm well-equipped for this. I don't think that I fit in. And they said, you know what, back in any war, especially World War II, any war we've had that we've drafted people and we've drafted young men, there were farmers, there were accountants, they were from all sides in different spectrums. But if you get your basic training, which everybody goes into, which I'm getting as I go, you'll be prepared when it comes time for war. You'll, you'll be ready, and we rally together as a team fighting for one main goal, and that's the whole purpose of this. Um, there were a lot of soldiers that were heavily awarded with a lot of medals and honors for what they did, and they were farmers. They were going to school. They weren't soldiers. So it's just going to take that initial training and experience to get us ready for it, and that goes with any 
any job you encounter, I say the soldiers because that was the story given to me, but if you want to become a teacher, you go to school to learn to become a teacher, but our country is in such dire need of people who will actually protect it and protect the foundation, the Constitution, who are willing to step up and do that, that we got to go through a rush course so that we can get in seat to do it. There, If we continue to wait, it's going to dwindle out of our fingers, and we might not get this opportunity again. So, like I said, as long as you have a good moral compass, if you know right from wrong and if you're determined to learn the job that you're going into, I, I think being suited for it will come naturally. So you know about Audie Murphy, I'm probably sorry? from your dad. Audie Murphy, he was the most decorated veteran of all time in America, World War II vet. And he, there was a movie made about him. It was called To Hell, uh, to Hell and Back. And he was a farmer from Texas. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. There, It's just not only do you get trained quickly when you're being drafted to go fight in the wars that we had, Vietnam, World War II, it wasn't like these were – men that were trained for two, three years. No, they went through their boot tra- their boot camp pretty quickly, and then they were shipped overseas to fight, and they got their basic training. That's what I'm getting. I'm getting my basic training as I go. That way, when I'm elected into my position, I'm ready to do the fighting, and it'll, it'll come naturally. Push will come to shove, and after enough attempts, it's either you get run over or you actually stand on your two feet and you fight. So, and I'm not one to cower down. I was, I was never one to back down. So, I don't think I'll have an issue with that. I know there's a lot of people that are very strong-willed up there, and that money talks. But if you get enough people involved, I think the power of the people will be the huge wave that we need to get the people to be held accountable at the Capitol that aren't willing to bend. So it's not just about my district. It's about getting all of our districts to align together to hold all of the representatives accountable. Wow. The uh, one thing that can be done is uh, this interview. You can take it, download it, and splash it around the web. I think that could help you a lot. Yeah, that'd be great if you could send me a link, Robert. Yeah, I can get to the link. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I um, yeah, trying to be mindful of your time. I know you were able to give us uh, an hour, so if you'd like to have uh, your closing comments, or anything you'd like to impart on our audience uh, before you have to go, go ahead. Yeah, so I thank you for having me again. It's great, and thank you for calling in to talk. It has been a pleasure. I love speaking with other patriots and like-minded people. Um, as I said, I'm a wife and a mother, so I'm working, I'm campaigning, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, my job, I'm juggling right now, but I'm doing the best that I can. Um, I, I'm not sure if you guys have any further questions. If you do, you can reach out to my email. It's AngelaHeimer30 at ProtonMail.com. And if you have any notes, any tips and advice, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, I'm I'm just... I'm running based off of the Lord's will. I'm following his lead. None of this is for my glory. This is all for his glory. I'm just the willing vessel. And I'm just I'm willing to fight for the people. I'm willing to hold the line in Ohio. Somebody has to do it in this district. There are multiple people running in other districts holding the line that are like-minded just as we are. And it's it's a fire spreading across America. There's so much passion welling within people, and I think it's only God-given. And such a time as this, I think we're actually going to see a huge shift in our country. And I think we're going to see the old America that we love and we well with pride about soon. So it's going to be a fight. Nothing comes easy. But, you know, I think we have the right people willing to stand in that gap for us. So thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to any emails. Anybody has anything to share? One yeah, more quick thing. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to have you back on again. Thank you. And then what was that? I'm sorry. The, ahead, one last thing. For those listening that have gotten this message by email or Facebook, uh, please share this with others. Yeah, it's going to take the people. It's going to take we the people to actually take our country back. 
for too long we've put it in the hands of government and politicians. It was never meant to be that way. The people, I guess, we got too busy keeping up with the Joneses in our lives. As you, technology increases, somehow all of our lives get busier. And I'm not against technology by saying that, but it just happens. And I think we need to, the old phrase, take a break, stop, and smell the roses because we've given too much power into their hands, and it's because we're not paying attention like we used to anymore. People used to be so involved in local political organizations as well as national, and it's about time we get back to that so that we know where our country's heading and we can actually drive it instead of being in the back seat with a driver that we don't necessarily trust. Well, you guys have a great night and a blessed night. Robert, I will see you soon. I'll be at the farm on the 29th. If I see you there, that'd be great. If not, I will be dropping stuff off at your house soon. Thank you so much. All right. Sounds good. You have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. Uh, next week, that is uh, Angela Heimer. She's running for state congress. <laughs> I know people say, well, congress, I mean, that's, you know, they immediately think if you put it out, you know, U.S. congress. But, I mean, she is running for the House of Representatives, you know, and that is congress. Technically, it's Congress, so we're, we're, we're still incorrect in saying that, Kelly. Um, so, yeah, definitely like having uh, grassroots candidates on uh, next. Uh, uh, we'll see who we uh, have next week. I may not because I will be at that event uh, next Wednesday. We may do a special edition. We may not. Um, I know the, uh, the show has changed a lot uh, recently just with a lot of different things going on uh, because I have been more involved, uh, you know, actually, you know, working – and volunteering for, for campaigns, and I had my campaign myself. But we still are, uh, you know, interviewing uh, people such as Angela. We also are going to be, you know, discussing, uh, you know, the topics of the day. And we did uh, just recently got the agreement from uh, the campaign for Carrie Lake, who is running for Arizona, the governor for Arizona. Uh, we're looking at right now the 25th. It's a Monday, so it's a special edition. Uh, but we're looking at Monday, July 25th, so we're uh, looking forward to having uh, Carrie Lake on to the program uh, then. Uh, I mean, it, it may change depending on other things with the schedule. We did ask uh, for her to come on for an hour as well. I'm just waiting to hear back from her uh, communications director on if, whether she'll be able to be there uh, the amount of time. Usually they are, and we know a lot of folks also uh, stay on uh, longer, like we've had uh, Josh Barnett, uh, also from Arizona, who has uh, been on as well. Uh, but Kelly, is there any uh, closing comments or thoughts that you'd like to uh, do before we park company tonight? I'm sorry? I said, did you have any closing comments that you'd like to impart on us before we close out for the night for this episode? Angela is another candidate stepping up to the plate. This is happening all over the country. I hope uh, uh, a lot of people Share the good news. Um, keep the groundswell growing. Uh, believe it or not, folks, we can make a difference. I've been doing activism for 30 years, and I have seen the differences I have made, and you can too. And it's when you have a victory, um, all of a sudden the world is not so big, and it'll inspire to, to do more and, and have victories and connect with people, and it can be a lot of fun helping with campaigns. So, um Again, please share the message that you've heard with friends, with neighbors. Um, I guess to be brief, I'm very pleased with Angela. Um, I yield. Well, thank you very much, Kelly, as always, uh, for coming to the show. Enjoy the rest of your evening. You know, I know this is a, uh, frankly, it's an international program. I mean, we, we are literally, Bart's Logic is literally uh, heard around the world. Uh, we have uh, listeners in many nations, uh, not just here in the United States. Uh, but if you are listening to the program and you are local uh, here with uh, Angela, I know there will be a lot of local people listening but as well. Definitely uh, you know, consider, you know, you can reach out to, uh, to me. You can go to the website, www.barslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, she gave her email address. That's probably the best way to, uh, to reach Angela to volunteer for her campaign because she's going up against the establishment. And we all, we're talking about influence, we're talking about power, we're talking about money uh, that her opponent, Bill Seitz, um, you know, has on, his, has on his side. So we do need more citizen candidates not to only run, 
Uh, but we also need these citizen candidates to win their elections. So because they don't have the money and power and influence as these career politicians, uh, they're going to need, you know, you know, volunteers and we the people, uh, your time, uh, you know, knocking on the doors, you know, talking to your neighbors, you know, giving the, you know, non-career politicians uh, a chance to, to get in there and be the citizen candidates uh, and then also be the citizen representative, citizen representative for we the people. Uh, but I will uh, end tonight uh, and close out as I do every episode of Bar's Logic. Is that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And uh, I want to thank everyone again. Again, uh, reach out to uh, Angela if you're local uh, to uh, you know assist her in her campaign. Uh, if it's not with money, then certainly with time, because uh, this could be needed. Because she's definitely going to need a, a lot of volunteers going door to door. Because when you're a grassroots candidate, that's the way um, you know to victory. Because you're not going to have a lot of the money for the big commercials and billboards and, and, and signs on uh, benches and things of that nature. Uh, but just because they're able to, just because the career politicians are able to do that, doesn't mean that they are the best person uh, to be sitting in that chair uh, in the Capitol, whether it's the state Capitol or the U.S. Capitol. But thanks again, folks. We will see you next time, and have a good night. Thank mm-hmm. you.